Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Jody Fisher. This is the podcast for all dads who want to succeed with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey Jody, how are you doing today? Hello Paul, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, fantastic. Um, Jody, I'm reading here, you have news? No. I have news, uh, and it's and I'm sad to say that I'm going to be quitting the po- podcast, Paul, because I got an email just this morning that says that I have received a donation of 3.5 United States dollars from the family family of Gloria McKenzie, and all I have to do is click this link in my email, and I'll have 3.5 million dollars. <laughs> so I'm going to click this now, and I'll say thank you so much for the good times, Paul. I'm out. You got me. You got me. <laughs> You definitely who got clicks me. on these it. things? Seriously, who clicks on these things? You see, the, they, these things are not even barely written in English. And I'm sorry, I'm going to rant here for a minute. But who does this, right? It just it boggles my mind. Of course, I'm joking. I'm not quitting the podcast, and I'm not clicking that link either. But people, if you get these emails, no matter how good, they, some of them look really good. I get them from Apple, get phishing scams from Apple, not from Apple, but from people pretending to be Apple all the time. And they actually take the time to like cut and paste the JPEG in, like make it. Mm-hmm look like an invoice so for a minute there you're like huh and then you go oh this is a scam but literally this is just like one sentence that's hyperlinked who does that well (laughs) i gotta tell you if if you pick up you know this does tie back to financial because a lot of times these scams it's all about getting your money right so i agree with you jody you have to be careful there's a lot of articles out there that you know will tell you how to look for phishing scams and stuff like that look at the urls um but sometimes um you know, people get caught, pulled in. So I'm glad you're not leaving the podcast. You had me there for yeah, a minute. Yeah, no, so that I am, was great. I'm in. Don't worry, <laughs> cool. I am in. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. I'm not clicking that link. Thank you, Gloria McKenzie or whoever you are. <laughs> I'll take a hard pass. That's awesome. Um, very cool. Very cool. Let me let me get my deep breath. Okay, today's topic is home refinancing. When to know and how to refinance your current home mortgage. Uh, but first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. Okay, the first story that we're looking at is from Forbes. Who can you trust in the real estate investing business? Um, this was an interesting article uh, talking about financing and finding the right properties. And I think in general, for me, it always comes down to doing your homework, researching, all the things we talk about on these Financial Dads podcasts, right? If you're going to make some sort of an investment, um, whether it's refinancing a mortgage, which happens to be our topic today, or getting a new mortgage, or buying a piece of real estate, investing with others in real estate, do your homework. I think that's key. But Jody, what was your takeaway from this article? Yeah, that's exactly where I came in on it. Sort of, this is the new frontier, and maybe not that new, but I think probably getting a lot more traction these days, the concept of being able to, for everybody to be able to invest in real estate and sort of this crowdfunding idea of, you know, opening up an app and throwing in $25 and you are, you know, 0.001% of some kind of a real estate investment with a whole bunch of other people who are also on this app. Whether it's that or whether it's just going in with a friend or a buddy or whatever and investing in real estate. Um, It was an interesting article um, I've actually thought of a lot about this over the years of, of, you know, real estate being a really great place to put your money long term. I think for the most part that um, real estate is probably 
um, the best investment you can make with your money in terms of actually buying something. That way you can hit highs and lows in the market just like anything else. Um, but a really great place to put your money in terms of real estate uh, or in terms of investing. Uh, real estate is a great investment. Uh, and, and I just this article jumped out at me and it it, it hit a, a real important note here, which is trust, bringing trust into the investing process. And I think we're going to talk about that today, too. Yep, and I think that this could be a whole other podcast, right? The, there's a lot of key terms out there nowadays around real estate investing, uh, house flipping. Um, there's all kinds of different ways to invest into real estate in terms of REITs uh, through mutual funds where you don't have to manage the properties. There's some rule of thumbs that people tout that when it comes to real estate, if you're not making 20% on your money, 15, 20% on your money, don't do it. And the reason for that is, you could typically get five to eight percent in a good mutual fund for doing nothing by just writing a check and putting your money in that fund. Uh, you have to get a premium for doing the legwork of owning property or managing property or flipping property. So maybe that's for another podcast. We'll we'll kind of table that and and probably dig a little deeper in a future podcast. Um, the second article that we're going to cover today is in the Journal Review and. Uh, let's see, Crawfordsville, Indiana. I think I pronounced that right. And it's titled Family Affair, NFL, a father and son business for chiefs and, and niners. And this was an interesting article. And I guess the gist of it is uh, kids following in their dad's footsteps when it comes to career choice, going into the family business, etc. I'm reminded of a dear friend of mine um, who his father uh, is an undertaker. And I remember asking my friend about this a long time ago because I used to go visit him in high school. His his part time job was to work in the funeral home, and he he you know did all kinds of jobs including the calling hours. I know this is getting morbid, but and I once asked him. I said, you know, you'd make a great undertaker because we would you know I would go visit him before you know before uh, go out and he's wrapping up uh, services or whatever at the home, and he was so professional. With the, with the people and, and the guests of the funeral home. And then outside of that, you know, he's a totally different person, right? He's the life of the party, the whole nine, right? So, uh, but he always said, I, I don't want to go and I don't want to follow my into my dad's footsteps on this. And I don't think my father does either. Jody, what's your take when it comes to the kind of the family business, family affair and, and careers and such? Yeah, Paul, I, I love this article. I picked it up. It was actually an Associated Press article that ran locally here in this publication in Indiana. And by the time this episode posts, it's going to be Monday morning and we're going to know who won the Super Bowl, um, or at least we're supposed to. <laughs> so I uh, hope everybody won their pools. Um, but it, it's a, I thought it was a really interesting story. And just like you put it, Paul, this is sort of a father-son uh, or parent-child kind of a story, in this case, fathers and sons in this, in this story here, uh, about following in the dad footsteps um, and whether that's a good idea or a bad idea and how it uh, how it happens uh, reasons it should happen reasons maybe it shouldn't happen um, and it talks a little bit in here too about children learning by osmosis and that's the thing that really hit home with me here is that regardless of what they're learning from kids learn all kinds of things from you right whether it's whether it's job habits whether it's personal habits whether it's finance habits Kids learn more by what you do than by what you tell them. Um, so I think it's just incumbent upon all of us in, in everything that we do, especially the stuff that's very visible to our kids, that we act um, in the, an appropriate way, in an intelligent way, um, 
and and in a in a really ethical way uh, in in everything that we do. Those are all great points. Um, I think that there's a lot to be taken away from here. I know personally, my son, I believe, could wind up going into the technology industry. That's the industry I'm in. Uh, probably a different part of it, different discipline within the technology industry. But um, I like to think that some of the things that he's seen through me is, is kind of rubbing off on him um, in terms the of... The kid's building his own computer. Of course he's going <laughs> to... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> or that's he's, true. He's built his own... Did you say he's building his own VR? Like, holy mackerel. But yeah, well, he's getting into a lot of the uh, programming languages, and he built his own gaming PC with a buddy of mine. So yeah, he's definitely he's definitely hooked in. So um, I expect, uh, well, well, time will tell, but I expect that he will be in the industry, and and what'll wind up happening is he'll have kind of a really cool tech job, possibly at the same company as me someday, and he'll just. Uh, watch uh, as dad gets yelled at by everybody because i just seem to get yelled at constantly at my job but anyway that's for another podcast so i'm teaching my children to pay attention to all the things that i wish i had paid attention to mm. in school science and math <laughs> <laughs> do not be an english major like dad was <laughs> very cool very cool well i think those are two great stories a lot to take away from uh and um a lot of things we learned from those stories. So now I think we're going to be on to our weekly topic, right? And that's home refinancing. Um, my current situation um, when it comes to home refinancing and mortgages, I bought my first condo with, and I t actually took a lot of risk when we bought our first condo that could have backfired. Uh, what we actually did was uh, took out two different loans. I put, I believe, 5% down or 10% down and we financed the other 10 to 15 percent on a HELOC, which is a home equity line, in combination with a traditional mortgage. And luckily, everything worked out. Uh, we bought at a time where real estate was continuing to climb and um, it didn't backfire, but it could have easily backfired. Like if the market took a turn, um, we might have been stuck. Or if I lost the job, more importantly, or my wife lost the job, we would have been stuck. So I think for us, um, I recommend do not do that uh, when it comes to buying a home, 20% down, rule of thumb, anything less than that, I think you're asking for trouble in terms of just not being over your head in terms of the mortgage payment. I know every situation is different, but that's just another rule of thumb, that kind of a sidebar to the home refinancing. Um, so what we did was uh, we knocked out that HELOC, got rid of it, and then at one point while we had that home uh, rates on mortgages came down one more time and we refinanced again. So we went from a 30-year fixed to another 30-year fixed. This is before I learned all about the 15-year and the magic of it, the 15-year mortgage. Um, we sold that condo and we bought our new house and 20% down, uh, maybe a little bit more than that because we had some proceeds from the sale of our old house, but not much more than that. And got ourselves into another 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. Um, had that for quite some time, came to a realization that uh, we wanted to aggressively knock down uh, the mortgage timeline. So we actually moved into a 15-year uh, mortgage over a 30-year, and we saved a full two percentage points, which, if you do the math, um, is amazing. I think we, we recouped all of our closing costs for the refinance within, oh gosh, a couple of months. It was crazy. Like a full 2% really does some job of saving you a lot of money. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in the podcast. 
Ding, ding, um, ka-ching, man. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was great. And we found um, – I did shop around um, at that time to do the refinance. I used to work with a, a gentleman who was a great mortgage broker. He wound up being at, at not so much a great mortgage company, and his hands were sort of tied. And we went back and forth, and the paperwork was never quite right. And I got this pit in my stomach – to say, you know, I'm going to cancel the deal. And I lost a couple of hundred bucks because I had to get a home inspection. But I knew in the end that the paperwork somehow wasn't right. And I wound up going through um, a bank that I worked for at the time. I called their internal employee helpline. They gave me the, the phone number for the uh, employee mortgage department. And man, I got such a great response out of it. And uh, net result was I got clear paperwork, truth in lending. You know, they told me exactly what I'd be paying, exactly what my fees would be, um, all these different pieces. And I locked in the 15 year and never looked back. So it was great move and, and a great motivation for me. And as you guys know, uh, and heard the stories over time, um, I've paid off that mortgage. So we've gotten rid of it. Um, and we made aggressive payments on it. I wish I had done it sooner. Uh, but now I'm happy that it's just done. And, um, and coincidentally, in 2008, I did have the HELOC, and then it was stripped away. Um, so the HELOC, luckily I didn't have any money outstanding on the HELOC because they would have called the loan, and I would have had to pay it back right away. So that's when 2008 hit. The mor mortgage companies were getting nervous. They wanted to recall all the loans that they could. And, man, it was just a crazy time. So, um, Jody, what was your current situation? Uh, what's your current situation when it comes to mortgages and your experiences when it comes to them and yeah, refinance, we, refinancing? We have been down this road, around the block, and back again a couple times. Um, you know, we've had we've had owned two single family homes uh, now. The one we're in and the one before this one. The one before this one we bought in two thousand six. Uh, back in the days where literally I had mortgage brokers telling me that, uh, they would give me a million dollars for a house. And if you knew what I made in 2006, you would, uh, be absolutely positive. They were smoking crack. Um, <laughs> and they all were, and they all were in 2006. They little just, did we know like freaking crazy. Um, so I got a 30 year mortgage back in 2006. It was not for a million dollars, but it was a big chunk of change. And then because we had the house that we had and we want to make some improvements, we also went in on a HELOC probably about a year or so into that. And again, mortgage brokers smoking crack, you would be amazing how, amazed at how much money they handed me in a HELOC with the minimal amount of equity that I had in that house. Um, it was nuts. We had no idea what we were doing. Um, we went absolutely crazy. We had two salaries, no kids. So you can imagine where we were in our finances. <laughs> and even though, and, and I wasn't really strictly budgeting at that point, um, uh, because there was just so much money coming in all the time. Again, it was not like crazy money, but it was a lot of money. And, and, um, it all went into the house and our lifestyle and there was always enough money to pay everything. And, and I've told the story before about how, after our son was born, I sat down and actually put everything on an Excel spreadsheet, and I saw the week that our budget drove off the cliff. It went red, and it never came back. Uh, and that was the moment where I went, holy mackerel, we have to do something about this. Um, so short story, we sold that house, uh, paid off all the, the mortgage and the HELOC back in 2011. And we all know what happened in 2008, a couple of years before that, uh, where everything went in the can. 
house number two we bought in 2011. We downsized the house. It was it was a smaller house. It was a smaller mortgage, but it's the one we're in now, and we absolutely love it. Um, there's all kinds of things in it that um, you have to buy and you can't build, and we've talked about that on previous podcasts too. That was a, a 30-year uh, mortgage as well. We refied that about a year later because rates got so good. Uh, and we refied, I think it was in 2012, uh, to another traditional 30 year mortgage, but it went to an insanely low rate and it got locked in for 30 years. Um, and it was just wonderful. Uh, the one thing that we had to do when we did that, uh, what was, was we got an FHA loan and it included, uh, what's called, um, MIP, uh, mortgage insurance, um, I forget the acronym, but, um, basically it's the same thing as PMI, but it's on an FHA loan. Um, so you're paying a little bit of a premium, an extra premium to, uh, to get that mortgage. Um, it dropped off after, at the time the law was that the, that MIP drops off, uh, once you've paid 78% of the loan back. Uh, I'm sorry, you've, you've got only 78% of the balance outstanding. You've paid, what's that? 22%, right? Um, so that has dropped off. That dropped off for us about a year or so ago. As of 2015, uh, my understanding is that now you can no longer cancel that MIP. So that law has changed. Hmm. Um, and so um, if you get an FHA loan and you've got that interest on it, that MIP interest on it, uh, that's going to stay for the life of the loan now. Um, there's, uh, you can Google and, and read more about this. Um, but that's really, dis I, I found that out in researching this podcast and that was really disappointing for me because just a year ago, um, that ended up being an extra 350 plus dollars a month that we didn't have to pay on our mortgage. And it saddens me that people who are taking out FHA loans, FHAs are, are built for first time home buyers. Um, and it saddens me that people now are going to have to carry that for the life of the loan. Um, and, and I think I, I, I hope that there's a way that that can change uh, in the future. Uh, but anyway, the, the takeaway from this is that um, in the case of our second mortgage, the second house that we that we bought, we went through a, uh, a mortgage broker who I had worked with in the past, who I chose not to work with on the first house that we bought. Um, that mortgage broker who took care of the refinancing on this house um, was an absolute pro, got us the absolute best rate, did all the heavy lifting for us, and we basically just had to, you know, provide some documents and show up at the closing. Um, you know, not that he didn't tell us what was going on the whole way through, but he did all the work. Um, the, the, the bank that got us the mortgage on the first house Plus, and which was also the bank that got us uh, the the HELOC on the first house, totally screwed us. Mm. Um, it was a bit. It was a big bank, um, totally screwed us, uh, lied to us. Um, just the absolute worst experience that we could have had. Um, so uh, my takeaway is work with an experienced mortgage broker who you can trust, who uh, wants to take care of you. Um, and a little advice, don't refi consumer debt into mortgage debt the way we did on the first house, because we loaded a whole bunch of credit card debt and everything else in there into the HELOC and totally backed ourselves into a corner. So be really, really careful with debt and be really, really careful with HELOC debt. 
um, because it it can get you trapped. Yeah, it is amazing. When I heard all these things, that some other things popped into my head. I remember in 2006, 2007, I know somebody, and I will not go into how I know them, but the person was going to be a Avon sales rep, just started selling Avon, and estimated income, I don't know, $5,000 a year? I don't know what it could be, right? If you just start out selling Avon for the first three months, and you have Avon as your job, could be zero. Could be zero. Um, got pre-approved for a mortgage for $750,000. So very scary the way business was being conducted back then. And, you know, there, there's all kinds of films and documentaries and all Watch kinds the of big things. Short. Watch The Big Short. It's a great movie. It's based on reality. Steve Carell is one of the lead characters in it. It's an awesome movie, and it it encapsulates exactly what was going on back in those days. Yeah, it was. It, yes, a good recommendation. Good recommendation on that. I mean, I I can't emphasize enough. You know, stay within your means. Stay within your means. If you're refinancing or getting a fresh mortgage, stay within those means. So, um, I think we'll jump into the topics now, right? So. The first topic I want to bring up is is pay your own taxes and insurances and don't escrow with a mortgage company. I've talked about this on previous podcasts. I know people that have gotten stuck in a scenario where they thought they were escrowing enough and they weren't or they did the escrow but the uh, mortgage company was not paying the taxes and insurances properly. Um, I like to own my own destiny when it comes to paying my own taxes and insurance. I want the bills coming to me. I want the insurance policies coming to me. I want to make sure they're getting paid. I want to look at how much I'm being charged. Um, I want to keep track of all that. Um, so I do not, when I did have a mortgage, I did not escrow with the mortgage companies. And they would ding me on that. Um, they didn't like that because they make their money off the float, right? They got these millions and millions and millions of dollars coming in and they get to hold your money in escrow. And, and keep all that money and get kind of, you know, government bank rates on it and such. So um, it's big business for them, all right? It's a big income stream to hold your taxes and insurances. But I chose not to. I'd always, always not accept the escrow. Jody, what's your take when it comes to taxes and insurance? Do you pay through your mortgage company or do you handle them on your own? Yeah, we do pay through the bank. We do pay through the mortgage company. Um, but that's only because I was not as adept and experienced in that particular area when I signed up for the mortgage. Uh, in fact, in the last month or so, when we get our, we've got our new tax bill and we've got that annual note from the bank that says, um, you've got a shortage. Uh, it's mm. an interesting, you know, and, and I've got that note a couple times, um, you know, over the last 10 years. You've got a shortage, which basically means they screwed up. They didn't tell you, they didn't, they didn't tell you to pay enough money. So now they're going to charge you either in a lump or they're going to charge you over the course of 12 months and your payment is going up either way because they screwed up. So, um, I've actually thought in the last month or so that I'm going to start doing what you do, Paul, which is paying my own taxes and insurance because I'll be able to figure it out in my own spreadsheet. Um, how to do that. Um, I got to figure out the mechanics of it, like actually how I walk through it. But I think I'm going to start doing that because you're totally right. Um, when you, when you hand over your financial destiny to somebody else, um, somebody else is not watching it as close as you are, uh, or at least as you can. So, um, you're just dying to get hosed. You're just, you're just wishing to get hosed when you, when you let someone else do your finances for you. 
Yeah, I, I, I think that's, I mean, like I said, I learned that that's the way I wanted to do it. I, I know too many bad stories, the ones similar to what you just said. And so I just, I try to do that on my own. And, I mean, and it's I, not a ton of money. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's like $1,000, okay? And, and over the course of 12, you spread that over 12 months, you're not talking about, you know, gigantic sums of money. But at the same time, to get that piece of paper that goes, you're short and it's not your fault, <laughs> I want to call up the bank and be like, who the hell do you think you are? Yeah, no, it's amazing. Um, and and what will happen is I've heard this story before where the mortgage company doesn't pay the insurance. And then the mortgage company comes back to you and says, hey, you didn't pay your insurance. So we're going to fine you for that. like it gets crazy. It's like, oh, well, well, wait that's, a minute. No, that's even more. That's yeah, even more yeah. of an insult. No, I, right? I, I had a, a dear friend and coworker who told me her kind of escrow story. And I was like, wow. It, it, so the, the short the short thing is, if you're escrowing, call your mortgage company up, pay it yourself, pay your own insurance, pay your own taxes. You and and the more importantly, when you do that, you're going to look at the tax bills yourself. You're going to look at the insurance and what's covered. You're going to look at that paperwork as it comes in as you're paying those bills. You're going to see the rate increases in your taxes or insurance. So I would do yourself a favor, get out of letting the the uh, mortgage companies do that for you. I know this isn't. We know what the topic today is home refinancing, but these are all just kind of little things that I think are valuable to throw in here. Um, little kind of tidbits that will help you with your financial future when it comes to anything related to mortgages or home refinancing. So the other thing you pointed out before was brokerages versus banks, right? So they say that typically you should get a better deal going through a bank directly because a mortgage broker is going to several banks to kind of get a deal. And there's a uh, a rate or a percentage rate that the broker gets on top of making that deal. Uh, I'm with you. I think it's well worth it. I prefer a mortgage broker. The only reason I didn't go with a mortgage broker with my last refi was it because it was because I was going through my bank that I was an employee of and they gave me too good of a deal. It was too good of a deal and I had to go back to my mortgage guy and it was we had a relationship. The mortgage guy and I have a relationship. He's such a good guy. And I told him I said, "Listen, I can't do the deal with you." And I said, "It's not you, it's your company." Right? You know, it's not you, it's me. It's not you, it's your company. Your company can't deliver me paperwork that makes sense to me and that's a problem and so um i had to go uh with with my bank uh, but the rule of thumb typically is that go through your uh, a broker as opposed to a bank and if you have employee lending at your firm if there's employee discounts investigate that investigate all avenues i would say look at a bank deal versus a broker deal versus an employee deal. Jody, what's your take when it comes to brokers versus banks and where to get that refinancing done? I think you've got two factors that come into play here. One is do the math. The math does not lie. Sit down, write it down, do the math, uh, put the deals side by side, pick the best one. Um, and then two, deal with the people who you feel like are giving you a straight deal, that emotional uh, piece that you described, Paul. Um, you know, when someone's looking you in the eye and shaking your hand, um, it, it's becoming a more and more rare commodity these days. But um, do business with people who you believe um, and who are going to deliver for you because the person who is going to work to earn your business up front is probably going to work to earn your business in the long run. Um, 
people who don't return your phone calls, people who treat you like a number, um, they're going to treat you even less so once they have your money. So, you know, one is the math, two is the person. Well, I got to tell you, Jody, my, my mortgage guy that I had, I found through my brother. And I know three deals that were done after my initial mortgage, just word of mouth, with three good friends of ours. They all did deals with this guy. He was such a great guy. And, and, he, and, and everything was always perfect at the mortgage company he, he worked at until he had to move to another mortgage company. And once that happened, his support staff around him just couldn't, they couldn't handle it. And I wasn't the only one who had refinancing issues. Um, at the time, other dear friends of ours had the same thing and they had to walk away uh, from using him, which was a shame because it really wasn't him. It was the company he was working with. So that kind of leads into three highlighted things I want to kind of talk about. And that's shop around, you know, just don't go for the first deal you see. Um, shop it around. Make sure you're getting the best deal, right? Rate wise, look at all the fine print. The other thing is ask for that truth in lending statement. I think they called it a uh, TIL or whatever. So you want to see how much you're paying in closing costs, how much you're paying for this in, in, in the rate, what your monthly payment is, all those different pieces. So I think that's very important. It should be spelled out crystal clear, first page of, your, uh, of, the, of the loan estimate, right? Whatever they give you, whatever that quote is. And then understand thoroughly and completely the deal you're signing up for. Look for little things that are not really around anymore. There used to be this concept of a balloon payment where at the end of the, at the, end of the loan, you might have to pay this exorbitant amount of money to, to, in order to finish off the loan. That's not typical practice nowadays, but make sure you ask. Um, ask about the, the rates. Ask about the monthly payments, the online bill pay capabilities. Are there any prepayment penalties if I refinance with you and decide tomorrow I win the lottery and I want to close this out? These are all the things that you want to make sure that you're doing when you're doing that refi. Any other thoughts to add when it comes to kind of uh, doing that refi? Yeah, I think those are all great suggestions. And it goes back to the original. Do your homework, do the math, uh, um, and, and get a gut check. No, all makes sense. All makes sense. So we're going to switch topics again one more time. HELOC versus a, a home loan. Right, or standard mortgage. So there's all types of different mortgages out there. There's VA, conventional, FHA. Then when it comes to the, uh, and those are typical mortgages uh, and refinance into those mortgages that typically are a fixed rate. Uh, you could get them variable. I suggest not getting them variable. Rates are too low not to, uh, to fool around with a variable rate. Um, but I think that, um, so my, in my opinion, my humble opinion, always go for the fixed rate mortgage, lock in that rate for the, for the duration of the loan. And uh, then a HELOC is more of that home equity line, right? Fluctuating rates, uh, fluctuating timelines. Um, the bank has discretion to pull that back. Typically, a HELOC is used more for home improvements. People use it for other things like paying off credit cards, paying for college tuition, um, all these things I do not recommend doing, but if you have to do them, something to think about. Just be careful with HELOCs. They're a little more dangerous than your standard home uh, mortgages because they do have fluctuating rates and do have fluctuating terms. So watch out for that. Um, any any thoughts on that, Jody, in terms of HELOCs versus home loans and, yeah, and think, standard mortgages? I think borrowing money is borrowing money. Uh, you it you are going to have to pay the interest plus 
uh, I'm sorry, you have to pay the premium plus interest. Um, as you said, there are all kinds of variables involved as well in terms of rates, fluctuating rates, Paul, in terms of the bank um, calling that back and wanting their payment in full. I mean, the bank can do just about anything they want with a HELOC. Um, on top of that, HELOCs, um, as you said, you know, they used to be involved in, in home improvements and things like that. Um, now the law has changed around the tax deductibility of HELOCs. So, uh, you know, in addition to a HELOC being just like a credit card, now you can't even write it off on your taxes anymore. You can only write off a portion of it. So, and, and I'm not a tax expert. Do the research on the tax implications of, of a HELOC or any kind of a, uh, a home loan. Um, make sure you know what you're getting into before you sign up for it. Because once you're in, it's very hard to get out. The, there's only one way to get out, and that's paying it off. Yeah, and, and the tax implications, what a great point. It, it's gotten to be, in the last couple of years, uh, for the middle class, and this is not a political show, I'm just going to state the facts, they've done away, essentially, with um, the value in the uh, mortgage interest and, and real estate taxes deductibility. Um, do your research, look at them now. Uh, that has changed significantly in this era. And it's not such a great deal anymore to have a mortgage and to have it there till the end of time where people will say, oh, don't pay off your mortgage. Um, do your searching on it. You'll be surprised on how little you could deduct now, especially in, in areas where real estate taxes are very high. Um, so just do the math and, and, and make sure you're looking at that because uh, when your accountant tells you, hey, you know, uh, you might want to keep that extra interest rate high because it doesn't matter if you refinance, uh, you're just going to lose more of your tax deduction. Um, that was always a crock. It's even more of a crock now. Um, maybe that's for another podcast, but do your do your ho homework. And um, like I said, the tax implications are very daunting now, whether it's a HELOC or a mortgage, um, you have to do your math there um, and do your research and what you can deduct because I think it's less than you think it will be. Yeah, I'll, I'll put a little finer uh, point on it, Paul. Um, the, the change came in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. So if you think elections don't have consequences, this is a direct consequence of the election in 2016. So um, if you're upset that you can't write off your HELOC anymore, you have the people who were elected after 2016 to thank for it. Yes, I will, I will have to agree with if that. You're, if you're pissed, that's why. That's that's black and white, man. That's not a political statement at all. That's why. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be one more neutral statement when it comes to that. So this all impacted me. Even though my mortgage is paid, real estate taxes, I still have to pay those. My tax bill in the last several years is considerably higher than it was in previous years, and I'll leave it at that. And I'm not sure why people are not more up in arms about that, but that's for a, a totally separate podcast. So we'll we'll move on. We'll move on from that. So um, unless Jody, you got one more but thing to add, I know you want to add one more thing let's to that. This. No, we're just we're just going to qualify this. We're, we're talking about this not not in terms of a political. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's not political, right? This is math. This is math. This is math. The law changed, and now your math changes. So. You know, we're we're not arguing some kind of a political perspective here. We're talking about 
math. <laughs> the math changed in 2017, and this is why. Yeah. So if you're upset about that, you go and do what you think you need to do to change that if you can. Yeah, and, 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 and that's a great point. All all politics aside, it's it's pure math. I was paying X. I was supposed to be minus X, and now I'm plus X. And I'm not quite sure what happened. Yeah. But anyway. And if, you like it, and if you like it, fine. You stick with it. But if you don't, you know what you can do about it this November. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. I, we might. This might be the first podcast where people light us up. Uh, but that's okay. Um, it's all good God, stuff. God, bring it on. God, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to jump into one of the last topics for today. And I think that's the 15-year option versus the 30-year option when it comes to refinancing. This was interesting. I talked about it at the top of the podcast. Um, the, the rule of thumb is the longer – you said this, Jody, before. You're, you're borrowing money. You have to pay it back. The longer it takes to pay it back, the more interest you're going to pay on that money. There's no getting around that. It's all math. Um, the 15-year mortgage versus a 30-year – and I know there's variance on that. They make a 25-year They make a 20-year. Uh, Heck, I think they even make a 10-year and they have a 40-year. Gosh, God forbid, buy, don't get the 40-year. Stick to the 30. Don't go any higher than 30-year to pay you off your home. You could be dead before you pay that thing off. And, and, then, and then you win. <laughs> right? Well, Technically, that's the argument. Perspective. That's the argument. You win. Aha, I got them. But anyway, it, it is funny. So the 15-year versus 30-year, there's a lot of articles out there in doing that kind of math. And we've said the words doing the math a lot here. It really does save you a lot of money. If you could bite the bullet, switch it to a 15-year, I think rule of thumb, a 15-year mortgage, you'll pay 25% more a month in your payment, but you'll save all that time. You know what I might do is I might get a 30 and pay it like a 15. Yes. And then if you, ha- then if you have to walk it back for some reason, let's say you have a disaster and you, you, know, you can't pay at the rate that you were paying it at, you know, the 15-year rate, just drop it back to the 30 year awesome and you find option. some extra money, you know, and that way the idea is throw as much money as you can at the mortgage as fast as you can. Just like you did, Paul, you did this. Yes. Yeah. And it's a great option. And the only reason I say it came down to math for me was I saved almost 2%. I, I saved over two percentage points by going from a 30 year to a 15 year refi at that time. If I had gone 30 to 30, I would have saved a point. Which isn't bad. It's it's good. I, when you're that's the other rule of thumb. I, you know, there's so many little details when it comes to refinancing. I that I'm, I'm it's coming to me as we're talking through the podcast. The time when you do the math, typically rule of thumb, you have to save a full percentage point. So if you're paying five percent interest now, in order to do a refi, you want to be at least at four percent interest when you're done. You want to save at least a point. Anything less than that, I think you're wasting time and money and paperwork um, because you're not going to save that much. It's going to take you a lot of money to re- a lot of time to recoup that refi cost if it were a half a point or a quarter of a point um, on the mortgage. So I would have to safely say you have to come down a full percentage point in order to make any refi worth it. Um, for me at the time to go from a 30 to a 30, I would have saved a full percentage point. For me going from a 30 to a 15, I saved two percentage points. That's huge when you do the math and extrapolate that out. And there's all kinds of tools out there to help you do the forecasts and do the math and see how you're going to break even. But more importantly, we said at the top of the podcast, get a good mortgage broker that'll help you with that. And not a salesman-y 
mortgage broker. These guys, they're all selling the same product. You want a person that, or gals, I should say. These guys and gals are selling, they're all selling the same product. You want the person that's going to sit and help you and work through it because most of the time they're within reason. Sometimes you'll find the quotes will be out of whack if you get someone that's kind of shady. But most people with the internet now, the math is there. The uh, Quicken Home Loans and all these other companies that are out there, I'm not plugging them, but there's a lot of companies where you could do your own research online and see what the rates look like. Um, so uh, bankrate.com is another one. I used to use bankrate.com a lot, and um, it would tell you all kinds of different interesting uh, rates by region. Because I don't know if you knew this, Jody, but you might pay a higher percentage rate in California as as opposed to New York, as opposed to Cleveland, Ohio, as opposed to um, Iowa, right? Yes, you, you will. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, and I just go- I just Googled right now as we're sitting here on February 1, I just Googled. Uh, today's 30-year fixed rate is 3.99%. Average, the average. Uh, and a 15-year is 3.56. Yeah, so you definitely That's have to do good. your math when it comes to this. And those are great rates. So if you're in a, if you're anything considerably higher than that at this point, make sure you go and do that refi and follow our advice. It's worth it. Even if you got your mortgage, this is the other thing. Um, it, let's say you got your mortgage, you closed, everything was done today. And a month later the rate drops a full percentage point, it still may be worth it to go and refi a month later and do the math, especially if you plan on keeping that mortgage for more than a few years. It will so make a big difference. So it's just something to think about. So I think um, I'll go into the summary recap, if that's okay, Jody. Um, And for me, I think it comes down to three simple words. That's do the math. Uh, Make sure that you're calculating these out. If you need help doing that math, there's plenty of online calculators. Talk to your accountant. Talk to a friend of the family who's familiar with the numbers, but make sure you get your math right. I've seen so many people make mistakes in refinancing because they didn't get the math right. And so make sure you do your math. Jody, what's your take when it comes to a summary recap today? Yeah, absolutely. Homework, investigation, work with a mortgage broker you trust if that's the best way to go. It uh, doesn't cost anything to at least have a conversation with an, with an independent mortgage broker um, and then hold them side by side with a bank uh, or even with an online lender. I mean, you know, go a couple different places. Um, just also as a footnote, be careful about uh, doing too much applying for mortgage rates because that could hit your credit score. Oh, and as yeah. your credit score mm-hmm. comes down, it's harder to get a mortgage. We got stuck in that. That just popped in my head here. I know we're on the recap, but um, be careful about too much applying for mortgages because that will start to ding your credit score. It will come down. It'll get harder to get a mortgage. So um, have conversations. Don't go clicking around online too much because uh, that could hurt you. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll bring it back to uh, what you said, Paul, in the immortal words of uh, Jack Black from School of Rock. It's math, 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 math. <laughs> well, very cool. Very cool. I always enjoy your recaps. And for those of you out there, if you've had any mortgage refinancing nightmare stories, please uh, send us a note, post it on our Facebook page. Any questions about this? Anything we missed today? Honestly, I think we missed some things. There's definitely things that I'm not thinking of right now that I stubbed my toe and skinned my knee when it came to refinancing. Um, and, and I know that maybe there's another part two of this down the road. But as of right now, uh, if anyone has anything else to add, please share it in our community on the Facebook page. So we appreciate that. Um, well, Jody, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. 
If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well and thank you. Thank <laughs> you.